Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it. Crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh information there which i'm very proud of um so that's what i have to say in that please check out higher balance institute uh you know or higherbalance.com and uh support higher balance please get uh try out uh cramp medic for family friends anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular it it truly is the best product out there no foams no creams you don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs uh no need for tablets one shot seven days phenomenal what i'm going to teach you is about energy spiritual energy, psychic energy, metaphysical energy, the energy that I'm speaking of 
controls, manipulates, and directs you every single day of your life. And 99.9% .9 of the people, in my opinion, have no idea that they're being affected by it. Some examples of being aware of energy say that if you went over to a friend's house, when you walk into the house, you know right away if you like being there or not. It's kind of a sense, like you feel comfortable or uncomfortable. It's pretty plain. It doesn't matter how clean or how pretty the house is, you just simply like it or don't like it. You could go to a house that was very dirty and messy and tons of clothes, and you feel absolutely comfortable there. You might go to another house that was super clean and everything was pristine and bright and shiny, flowers everywhere, but yet you would feel a certain level of uncomfortability there. It's because of the energy in that environment that you feel this way. Each human being has an energy field, and as I send with most literature for the foundation set, I teach people how to see the human aura. I'm assuming that you've already learned how to do this, so therefore, when I'm talking about energy, you have a bit of a, a concept of what I'm talking about. The human aura that most people see is roughly radiating off the body anywhere from an inch to a couple inches. For myself and for other people who are more trained, and as you will progress, you will see further levels of aura energy, and they literally go up to 32 feet away. Well, what happens is when you walk into a room, this energy field that you emit is already feeling and touching all of the objects in the environment, and all of those objects are holding a vibration, a vibration that was programmed into them by intelligent living beings. How this is done is through usually emotion and the broadcasting of emotion because you have 32 feet of energy. Whenever you get excited or happy or depressed or angry, you're broadcasting this energy out as a frequency. Naturally, objects don't have an intellect to choose what they want to absorb from you. So therefore, they absorb whatever you send out. They accumulate that and they begin to bounce it back off or radiate it back out. I often say sometimes, imagine a sponge. You can only fill the sponge so much with liquid before it starts to swell and drain. Well, if you're constantly emanating energy out, all the objects in your environment are absorbing it until they get to a critical point where they can't absorb it, so they start to radiate it out. When you learn to see auras, you'll find that not only do the human beings have auras in plants and animals, but inanimate objects such as beds and couches and countertops and walls you will be able to see a very unique or defined level of energy coming off of them. It's programmed. People who live in a house program their environment. Imagine that you're in your house watching TV. You're feeling very upbeat. You're in a good mood. Everything's fine. You have a knock on the door and a friend comes to visit. They're very, very angry. And they're to vent to you, to kind of have you support them in whatever their issue is as their friend. And they come over, they sit down on your couch, and they grab a pillow to kind of hug as they're talking to you. And they're telling you about how angry they are at their employer and how angry they are about their rent or house problems. Or they're complaining about their relationship and taking the pillow and stomping on it as they're trying to explain to you how they feel about all this. And they're very, very frustrated. Eventually, they say, well, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. I've had enough now. They just get up and they storm off the door, and you're like, okay, you know, I, <laughs> I wish I could have been more supportive of them, but, you know, they, they need to get, get over this. I'm sure they'll, they'll come back and talk to me. A few minutes later, let's say you have another guest come over to the house. They come in, and they're very, very happy. They're telling you what a wonderful day they've had, what a wonderful people they've met, how wonderful things are going on, and complete opposite. 
And they walk over and they sit down on the same couch and they pick up the same pillow and they're hugging it as they're talking to you and they're just sharing all the wonderful things that are happening in their life. And after about maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, it's as if the tone of their communication begins to change. They start to turn around and say to you something to the effect of, are you listening to me? Because if, if you don't want to hear this right now, I mean, don't worry about it. I can just leave. And you're like, no, no, sure. I'm, I'm ready to hear this. Well, you don't really seem like you really are into this. And I'm just going to leave. Okay. So I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. And they just kind of go off and do their own thing. Now, all of us at some point have probably experienced something like this in, in our life. We never pay attention to what's going on, what the details are. And you may be saying to yourself right now, well, I know that pillow had something to do with it. And that's exactly right. And in my perspective as a spiritual teacher, what I say to students, and this is, of course, an example. Please keep that in mind. The first person came in. They sat down on the couch. They tucked the pillow. The pillow became the focal point of their emotion. A pillow will absorb energy, but it doesn't know good, bad, or indifferent. It's just a pillow. As this person was hitting the pillow, breathing their consciousness near the pillow, emotionally raising and lowering their energies, this pillow was being saturated and programmed with these emotions. Anger, frustration, anxiety, all of these things were saturated like a sponge, like you were taking ink and putting it into a sponge. By putting the pillow down and then leaving, this pillow's emanating or glowing, in a sense, to me, this vibration. The next person comes in and sits down and picks up the pillow and they're holding it, but they're in a positive mood. Negative tends to always be stronger or more dominant than positive energy. It's almost like I always think of negative pushing someone and positive being, well, if you want me to hug you, just come on over and I'll hug you. So it's two different kinds of energies and what their intent is. As soon as this person picks up and holds the pillow, it begins to push itself into their energy field. Now, they're not conscious about energy. They're not aware that they're going to be affected or their mood might be manipulated by objects or furniture. I mean, who would think of such a thing? The brain, or at least the part that's trained of the brain, never thinks to be alerted about something that may be troubling. What happens is, is the brain being a machine get signals, in my opinion, that start to create a hyperventilation in the body and releasing perhaps of certain endorphins that are associated with muscle tension, frustration, anger. All the alarms for creating this are starting to be reacted within the person. Now, the person intellectually is kind of still focused on their conversation with you. And what begins to happen is, is that they are feeling anxiety that they don't know why, but they associate that they must be angry. So we begin to automate and we begin to look for what is making me angry. There's just nothing to make them angry. So it must be you. You, the person that I'm talking to, must be upsetting me somehow. So now I'm beginning to look for a reason to make an argument with you or to say, why are you doing something to me or why are you not listening to me? It's kind of the brain and the intellect meeting in a 50-50 mark because biochemically you're reacting to this energy from this pillow. You assume that there's a problem. You create the problem by attacking basically you or this person's going to attack you because they think that you're being negative to them. But it's really the energy from that pillow that's making them feel this way. They just don't know it. So they get up and they leave. But this is what happened. That pillow had a program in it.
Now, let's talk about programming. You have an energy field to your body. You emanate it. We can see it basically when you see auras, curling photography. There's various equipments. We know that energy moves through your body. Your heart beats to it. Your liver and kidneys are communicated through your brain. There's low radiation impulses and electrons and various functioning. Your whole body is really this big electrical field that kind of makes everything communicate and function with it. So in my opinion, you have this vast energy field that not only is internal, but is also external. We don't pay much attention to how much that actually works which we'll cover soon. We are thinking creatures, unlike inanimate objects like stone or wood. And it wouldn't be fair for me to say, actually, that I don't think that wood or trees think, because they certainly do. It's just different levels of it. Let's just say that human beings are very willful or very mentally, intelligently willful, that they can project their thoughts in, in different ways. When a human being picks up an object or touches an object, they can create emotions in them and project them. It's like pushing into something. They can literally touch it and just will a certain emotion or feeling inside of them. They create it inside of them like an inner development, and then they push it out as if they're projecting it into an object. In many cases, it's not even that you're pushing energy outside of you as much as you are programming or telling it what it's going to do. A piece of furniture will absorb light from your room, it'll absorb heat from your room, and it'll absorb music from the room. Music doesn't echo through the room, light doesn't reflect like it's hitting mirrors. Everything's being absorbed, energy is just transferred and being recreated into something else. They don't have an intention, or at least a bad or good intention, they're just there. But they're radiating this energy because like a sponge, they can only absorb so much light, so much sound, so much heat before they begin to project it out. When a human picks up that same object, it's like a chalkboard. It's not a wall. It's a chalkboard saying, I am ready to be written. I have the resources. I am made of slate. I am prepared for you to write on me versus something that would be a carpet or a piece of cloth not really designed to be written on. So everything that absorbs energy that doesn't have anything of intent in it, any message, any programming, just light energy, heat, sound, whatever – is just waiting for that to be transfigured. So when a person actually touches it, it literally can make or write a message like the chalkboard and program it into an object. When another person touches the object, or creature for that matter, they absorb the message is the only way that I can explain it. Your brain uses your five senses to interpret the physical dimension. Because it's interpreting the physical dimension, it's giving you a message. So if you were to hold a rock that somebody programmed for really positive, happy energy, in some ways, if you opened yourself to it, most of the time it's very unconscious. People aren't aware that these things are affecting them. But you can get that message that's encoded. Your brain decodes it. It's the same way like there's radio signals in the air right now. We can't hear them. We can't see them. We don't really know they exist. Does it mean that they don't exist? No, they're everywhere. Same things with cell phones and pagers and everything else. Probably don't even want to think about it when we realize it. But there's a mass amount of information all around us. But until we get a device that can capture that information and recreate it and show it to us on a level that we can understand, it doesn't exist. So... This stone is programmed, but for all likes and reasons, by looking at it, you wouldn't know that there's a message there. When you actually touch it or you feel it, your brain decodes this message as an emotion, not as words. You're not going to hear a story or a conversation like, okay, take a left at the next tree. 
It's more of emotion, which is a universal language, which I keep reaffirming in most of my teachings. So this object can communicate with you. You just don't realize how it's communicating with you. So everything in life has these energies, these programs, and then they're constantly being built and then destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and they worn away and refilled. You might say to yourself, how does that happen? Well, let's say you program a stone with energy, but you leave it in the sun. I believe the sun keeps pounding it with its energy. Eventually, it's again like the sponge. Let's say that you pour red dye into the sponge and it's all red dye and you start to pour milk into it. Eventually, then it'll come out really dark red as it's being refilled and then it slowly gets pink and then from pink becomes to a very faint red tint in the white milk and eventually it pushes it all out to its white milk again. All objects have an exchange of energy. It just depends on the circumstances of where they are. Objects in a home tend to keep the vibration longer because there's a constant feeding of the person who walks in that house that has that mentality or emotion that they keep repeating in that environment. How does this all affect you? When you walk into someone's house, you can feel their house the same way that you can feel a person with your energy field. Let's say you're at a party or you're at a restaurant or you're somewhere in an environment where there's a lot of people. You on one level have absorbed the frequencies of people around you, you begin to feel comfortable. And so you start to have a conversation with someone and you start to kind of get into the zone of whatever you're doing. But all of a sudden your sensory says, Hey, look behind you. You feel this impulse that you need to look. So you turn around and you look and there's someone coming through the doorway, you know, maybe 30 feet away or so. And you instantly know that you like this person or you don't like this person. Is this person a threat or not a threat? Do you even care? There is something going on for a communication between you and that person that's of energy. It's like an energy transfer. It's like data between two computers. And although mentally you're not really thinking in full-on words, but you can internalize a sense that you're making a decision. You just aren't fully aware that you are or paying attention that you are. So again, this 32 field of energy meeting, their 32 field of energy making it 64 is a very large, wide distance for you to feel things. When you're in a house, you feel the environment. When you are driving through a town, you will feel that town and you'll know that you don't want to be there or that there's something that's very unpleasant to you or unlikable about this particular town that you're passing through. And as you move through the town and you head out the other side, you feel alleviated, almost like, okay, I feel better now. I'm not in that area or that vibration. And there's always a store in every city. No matter what business moves into that building, it always fails. You could put a, a McDonald's in there and it will, maybe it'll survive because McDonald's so influential, but it'll be the worst, slowest McDonald's with the least amount of business in, in, you know, in history. This is the energy of that environment. It's programmed into it. Now, in this particular case, it could be something from the ground, mineral pressurization, frequencies that are emitting that we are not aware that we're feeling. But somehow these energies are communicating to us, no matter how good the food is, no matter how good the service is, no matter how good the lighting and structure of this environment is, something saying, I'm not happy here and I don't want to be here again. All of a sudden you react to, yes, it was nice, but it's not somewhere I want to come back again. Well, why? I just don't like it. We're constantly influenced by these energies. The same thing about driving through the town. 
Why do you not like the town? I don't know why I don't like the town. I just simply don't feel well. I feel like I shouldn't be here. I feel like I need to get away from here. Other towns you go in and you feel really good and you like the environment. It's copacetic to your energy field. So we make a lot of decisions without even realizing we're doing it. Experiencing and understanding energy is very interesting because we do it all the time. Have you ever worn a friend of yours clothes and you feel like them for a few moments as if you could feel them and then after a few moments it kind of fades away and it just becomes part of you. It's their energy that is on that object that your energy is the dominant and will begin to do the effect of the sponge. You're going to push their energy out, eventually dominate it until it's all your energy. So it's very interesting when you pick up objects, you can feel the other person's presence on them or their vibration or their energy. There's people who will have arguments that have come to me for counseling and their relationship was on its way out and they were ready for a divorce and they had severe problems. And for one reason or the other, somebody might have recommended that they speak with me. They're always thrown a little off with some of the comments that you probably think I'm going to focus on their relationship problems. And I'm like, well... Do you find that you argue while you're driving together? And they're like, well, no. Do you find that you argue or have problems while you're at home? And they're like, yeah. And I'll be like, well, where do you find these problems happen? And they're like, well, just all over. I said, but if you were to pick an area, where would it be? And in this particular case that I worked on, we narrowed it down to the kitchen. The kitchen would be, they would get home, they would be in the kitchen, and they would both kind of do their own thing. And then it would start off with nitpicking of, you're in my space, can't you give me some space while I just get home from work? Well, I work too, and I'm tired. And it would escalate, and it would feed, and they would create this bitter fighting, and then march off into other parts of the room and slamming doors and everything. My summaration to this, to make it quick and to the point, was at some point they had a real argument. And this argument was very intensive, and it took place in the kitchen slamming their hands on the counter and slamming the refrigerator door and putting their hand on the refrigerator door while they're yelling at the other person in the corner of the kitchen and just a volley of just negative energy. And it just impacted this kitchen so intensely that it became the dominant energy. Once the body's exhausted, you kind of get shut down and you're going to go sleep or you're going to do something. So you don't constantly stand in an argumentative mode if it's the energy affecting you. There's an exhaustive point where you can get worn out and you step out of that zone. But what would happen now is, is these people would come home, they would go into the kitchen and they find that constantly they would feel this, this need of irritation. Like the other person's very presence was irritating them and the bickering would start and it would escalate into fighting again. So I would say, well, do you guys fight on the way home? And they were like, well, no. Do you fight, you know, while you get in and you undress or, you know, change to, to unwind? No. Do you ever go into the living room sometimes before you start your kids? Say, yeah, sometimes we bring home food with us. I said, well, do you fight then? They're like, well, no, but you do fight. Do you do it when you're in the kitchen? They're like, well, yeah. And they, they started to figure this all out. What happens is, is that again, like the pillow, they go into the room, into the kitchen, and they're perfectly fine. They're in a perfectly fine mood. They're very compatible with you. They're fine. And the energy in that room is so powerful, it begins to wear on them. And it begins to, again, create the endorphin release in the brain because the brain's reacting to what it's, what it's feeling. Instead of seeing it with your eyes and you would react to it or hearing a sound, you react to it. If we hear a baby cry, we have a natural sense that reacts to that. When we hear a woman scream for help, we have a natural sense that reacts to it. If we see fire, we, <laughs> we know we better react to it.
So these are all actually feelings and emotions that are associated with these things also. Well, this kitchen had this intense negative energy. The people feel it, and they begin to find reasons to argue and fight. They begin to look for a reason why they feel the way that they feel. So the energy dominates the situation. Now, naturally, I'm often asked, what can you do to change that? Can you fix that? Can you resolve that problem? And the answer is yes. A kitchen is much more difficult to work with, but it's possible. I'll give you a simpler example. In the tradition of feng shui, which is from Asian culture, and it's the idea if you place certain objects in certain areas that it allows a fluidity of energy, have you ever rearranged your bedroom? And you, you move the bed, you move the furniture. It may not even be as nice of a situation as you originally had, but you felt the need to change it. When you change it, it feels better. It feels like something's been lifted out of that room. You just like, ah, this works for me. What you've done is you've broken the pattern of energy that was in there. I often say to people I work with that the best way to deal with negative energy in a home setting, it's kind of like a vinyl record. Energy begins in that pillow that I'm talking about. And left undone, that couch doesn't have a good intention or bad intention. It's just a, another chalkboard. But this pillow has a very powerful program in it and like a virus begins to seep into the other pillows and the couch that it's on. The same way that a sponge would, would infiltrate the other sponges if it was constantly filled with the red dye and the rest of them only had milk. You'd see a bleeding of pink in all of them eventually by the end of the night. It's the same thing. This energy starts to dominate into the other pillows. It starts to dominate into the couch, the other chairs, the floor and the walls spreads. It's almost as if it's like nature, like fungus would spread or a virus would spread. It's like nature for it, a natural process. So over time, it starts to dominate the energy in an environment. And this is where the chaos and the negativity can begin to change. The only way that you're going to stop that from happening is to understand that energy seems to, in my mind, what I see it as is patterns, like bump, 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 bump. It's like numbers, and it always has specific patterns it follows. Energy is very, very organized in a way. It has a laid-out course is the only way that I can explain it. And the best way to cut its feet off from moving is to begin moving all the furniture around. When you move the furniture around, it's like a big puff pastry. It collapses. It's like a cake being baked in the oven at the right time. If you slam the door, it just collapses on its own because it hasn't built enough strength for support. So if you move the couch, you move the furniture, you change the whole room around, it loses its whole linkage to how it started to set itself up and build its kind of vibrational pattern in the whole room. And now it's very weak. You haven't destroyed it 100%, but you've weakened it greatly, and it will take a lot of time for it to come back. But in the meantime, what you would want to do is you want to start projecting positive energy in the room. You want to find some really good music that you enjoy. You want to find things that make you feel in a very positive mood and maybe sit down on your couch and reflect on these wonderful, beautiful thoughts and almost breathe them with your breath in and then back out, breathe out and project this energy into the couch, 
into your environment, into the walls. Just see yourself filling this whole room with this positive energy that you're feeling from maybe the inducing of this great music that you like. And this is going to wipe out all of the bad programming that's in your home, that's in that room. You're going to directly affect it and change it. And it's the same way with the bedroom. Usually what happens, people without realizing it tend to move furniture around and it puts them in a good mood and their positive mood now begins to be the dominant programming in that room, which indirectly gets rid of the, the last of the negative energy. I often think of people that naturally sense these kind of energies. They're cleaning freaks or they're arranging freaks and they just feel all the time that they have to change something or they need to move things around. They're not being foolish. They really are sensing this. And this is a natural instinct. The same way a person is underwater and wants to breathe or you feel hunger. It's just an instinct. They know instinctually something is wrong with their environment and they need to change it. It's like something's willing itself in a way that they don't, they can feel on them. And they're like, no, I, I have to do something. So unconsciously, the mind automatically has an understanding that it needs to do things. And I think in many cases, is the reason why people feel overwhelmed to change their bedroom because it's the most open consciously in your bedroom because this is where you sleep. And so this is where you would first feel the need to maybe change things. Simplicity keeps the mind from being too attached in one spiritual aspect. But in another aspect, bad energy is always looking for something to build up in. If you have a pile of clothes in the room, it'll grow there like the mold. It has something to hang on to. If you've got a bunch of paper magazines piled up, it will grow there because it has something to cling to. If you have a wide open room with very simple things in it, just maybe a bed and one bureau and there's nothing else in there, it makes it very difficult for energy to compound itself. It's almost as if that long surface is like a floor seem to stretch it out or thin it out before it can get enough strength to move to the next object or the next area to concentrate in. So by having a very neat and tidy environment is a big asset to controlling the energy in an environment because it doesn't have a building up process. The other tool that you could use has been around for thousands of years. Many spiritual groups have used this. This is salt. Salt, we know as human beings, as a very cleansing thing. It just makes sense to us. It's when I say to you to cleanse and I say salt, it's almost as if a person has a nod like, yes. Well, how do you know that? They're like, well, I just know it's good. You know, my grandmother would say use this to gargle with. And, you know, we know it's like a purifier. Salt when you use this in a room, sometimes I'll say after the person moves the furniture around in their bedroom and collapses the energy and stuff, I'll say to people in relationships that are working on relationship problems to put salt all over their floor. And I'm not talking pour it on thick or anything. I mean, just kind of take a handful, shake it around the room. You might want, you might want to use a lot, but we're not talking huge quantities or piles. We're just saying sprinkle it all over the place. Leave it overnight. Now, I try to equate, well, how does salt rid energy? It doesn't quite make sense. The truth of the matter is, I think there are things to physics yet for us to understand. What I do know is it works. It works as sure as the sun will, will shine light. It works. And it takes this energy, and it's indifferent. It doesn't care if it's good energy or bad energy. It's a big, giant eraser for a chalkboard. It just takes all this negative, positive information. It cleans it off the slate. It just removes it. It doesn't destroy the energy because you can't really destroy energy, but it removes the programming in it, or it's like a magnet to a computer disk. It just pulls all that data right off of it, but it leaves the material there. So salt is a, a wonderful cleanser for environments. 
I have had a couple who've had serious problems who actually received this same conversation as you would be receiving now. And they actually went as far as to, to wash the walls with salt water let alone just the carpets. They just went nuts. I thought they were a bit extreme myself, <laughs> but I believe it greatly contributed to saving their marriage. Not only that, but they felt that there was a lot of bad vibrations in the house from spirits or entities or people who lived there before that programmed it. And it always seemed to resurface. And when they did this, they said it was the first time in the few years they'd lived there that they felt that it was clean, like a brand new house feels. Again, that inner sense that says, oh, this is a very safe energy. It's not imposing any will on me. We know when something's new. Their relationship was very bad. I mean, they were actually having physical fights with each other. You know, there was alcohol involved and really aggressive arguments and fighting. It was literally within a matter of days, they could see that their whole relationship was cooling down in that area. And it became a very positive relationship as time progressed. I believe the big contributor to that was the salt moving furniture around, acknowledging and thinking about how energy affects you. By using those three things, you can literally change how you're affected in life. A few more examples of how an environment affects you. If you meditate, your mind is always busy with thoughts. We're always fighting the babbler. We'll be meditating, we have silence, and then all of a sudden we're thinking about having to go out and buy new shoes or having to do the yard or do the laundry. And we're like, oh, stop it, shut up. You know, I need to have clear thought. The real question is, is how much is this just your brain kind of throwing rubbish at you? And is there any outside forces in your room that are constantly bombarding you with this? We're constantly bombarded by what I call the Gaia consciousness. That means that all the living beings on this creature are thinking. And because they're all thinking, they're broadcasting like a radio tower, their telepathic consciousness, their emotions, their feelings. So if you live in a city, it's more intense. If you live in a country, it's not quite as intense. It's much calmer. When we meditate in the city, we find that we have to really have discipline and focus and really get ourselves into the right zone to have the best meditation. But I find it ironic that people don't always recognize this, but if you go out to the country, to a state park or out to the forest and you meditate or you just spend the day there, your mind gets very quiet. It gets very calm. It's almost as if you feel very sleepy at the end of the day. You're ready for a deep rest, like everything's just been kind of released from your inner muscles and your inner body. This is largely due because there's no willful energy vibrations being imposed on you, like people's houses and at work and in the store and, and everywhere else. You have to remember that nature, trees are a living thing. And as I said before, they do kind of have an intelligence. And that intelligence is very simple. It wants to live. It wants to thrive. It wants to grow. And it's nourishing. It gives forth life. It gives forth fruit. And it wants to, to propagate life. So... When you go out into nature, negative forces can't dominate you, at least from human level, because anything that a human would do with really negative energy that could be impacted in the stones or in the ground, within a day, the greater forces from the trees, which is the dominant energy being pushed out, is going to wash all these bad vibrations away again. It's constantly pouring fresh milk into the sponge. No matter what drops on there, it just never stops pouring that milk. So eventually it just keeps flushing it away, flushing it away, flushing it away. So when you go into nature, 
it's always a very healing experience. It's always a, a very good experience. And it's a great place if you're having trouble attaining non-thought for your meditations. If you want to give yourself a little bit of an advantage on some days, go out and meditate to the park and use the system we teach in foundation or go out to a state park or rent a cabin. And you'll almost double or triple the effects of your meditation up by doing that. It takes a huge weight off of you like a backpack that you're trying to, to cope with. Our technique is still very good. It's designed for a high-stress area, so it's going to work one way or the other. It's just better or more of an advantage if you can go out to nature once in a while. But this is why nature, as far as energy goes, is much better than in a city. In the city, there's just millions and millions of programmed energy in that environment that are bombarding you constantly. So let's talk about energy in a, in a few different ways. Let's talk about when we hear about spiritualists who use, I guess, magic, prayer, or various things. And one of the interesting things about energy is, and it doesn't occur to most people at first when I, when I teach them this information, is that you can do a kind of magic if you choose to, understanding this knowledge. What I mean by that is, is let's imagine that same pillow that this person put that bad energy into. If you could take a pillow and put it in your arms... And think of just love and happiness and just really fill yourself up with this kind of energy. And just all of a sudden just breathe in and then breathe kind of outward from your body into this pillow, that very emotion. Of course, the better your mind can stay on it, the better it's going to be. You could literally program that pillow to have all this wonderful positive energy. And then could you imagine giving that pillow to someone you care about as a gift? or to somebody that was ill or not feeling well, or a grandparent that was having problems. What a wonderful thing to be able to offer. You could also help people that were sick, perhaps give them a better energy, a better positive, maybe increase their immune system. The possibilities of what you can program are only limited by your imagination. Do you understand? If you wanted to do something wonderful, you could. I often hear stories about, you know, I've, I've studied a, a significant amount on magic. And I often say, if there's truth to magic, what is the science behind it? The science behind magic is, is that anybody who does any kind of magic, whether it be pagan magic, African magic, Norwegian, Nordic rune magic, where shamanism or, or anything, this is a recipe. It's a recipe to get you into a certain state of consciousness. It's designed to clear your mind, you know, whether they say look at the candle or chant these words or whatever. All of that really is not the secret to what makes magic work or this projecting of thought. It is the recipe that gets you in the right state of mind to do the best work. It gets you really calm, really clear, so you're not thinking about a lot of stuff in life. You then finally say in the recipe, now hold the pillow. And the pillow now with these last final words is going to make you happy and make money for you. And it's going to be prosperous in your life. So you say these words, but what you're really doing is you believe by saying these words, you're creating that emotion. You're being told if you say it, you're going to make this pillow so. So you're projecting. You're saying, I'm going to put it into this pillow. And that's what you're doing. So if you throw all the magic out the door and all the incantations and recipes and whatever, and you just simply use your meditation, which is purely infinitely more powerful because you, you're trained to have clear thought. You're trained to focus now. You've worked in removing the babbler to a certain degree and you project this energy into this object. You've now created what would be called in ancient times a very powerful magical item. And this, of course, leads to many possibilities. And these possibilities are you can do good and you can do bad. 
I once had a friend of mine come to me who owned a duplex many, 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 many years ago. Something I don't know if I would do again, but I'll share this. <laughs> and the people weren't paying their rent. He couldn't get them evicted. I don't know if they had whatever the reasons were. They were destroying the place and he was he really didn't have a lot of money to, to repair it. And he was just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I says, okay. So I gave him this lesson that I'm, I'm giving now. I said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take their floor mat. You're going to steal it in the middle of the night. I want you to project in this floor mat to move, to leave, that you'd be happier somewhere else, that you need to go, you know? I says, really, really project this into this floor mat. And I says, when you're done doing that, you felt that you've done a good job understanding everything that I've taught you now. I said, just leave it there. So he went ahead and he did this. Oh, I'd say about a week or two afterwards, they went over and they told him that they were moving and asked if he wanted it in writing or whatever he needed. And he was like, no, sure, go, <laughs> anything you want. And he just could not believe that they decided to move. It could have been coincidence. It could have been chance. It could have been anything. But what are the chances of that being so coincidental? And I could give hundreds of stories like this. And you could say that your magic is as good as your will and clarity to project it into an item and how much you're really willing to clearly project into that. So this is how I believe certain spiritual items were created from ancestors who had spiritual beliefs, whether they be amulets that you wear around your neck, tokens, or you know, a wood staff or whatever. Spiritual people projected what they believe was magic will into these things that gave it a kind of life of its own a meaning and that meaning was a program in our modern day thinking and that's what they did so you as an energy being could take a necklace and project absolute love into this necklace and then give it to someone and let them wear it i don't think it's any different than priests blessing an item or a shaman doing their ritual blessing or something i just think that they don't put much thought into it i hate to say that i think that the majority of spiritual people who do the more ritualistic it's more of a job it's more of a show that you know here we're doing these things let me put my hand on your head and bless you or whatever the secret and the quality of what you're doing is going to be on how well your mind can be focused and project from a very emotional place the data that you're going to project into an object. That's the secret is to just for those few moments to have a very clear and defined message that you want to project into whatever object you want to do this in. So you can do good and bad. And you always, of course, want to keep out an eye out for people who would do something bad with objects like that. Another perspective of energy is in a psychic arena. I believe that there are a level of programs that can be put out. And I believe that on a minor level, people can sense an environment and know if it feels good or if it feels bad or sense somebody coming into a room, whether they like them or not like them or feel the energy from clothing from a person or this or that. A psychic who is more evolved or more practiced now can be more defined about energy. They can get more information. The same way that your brain interprets emotional energy, a psychic who is trained can actually get more information. Instead of it making it feel the person upset or angry or feeling the emotions, they can actually decipher more information. Instead of it being a TV that captures just radio signals and maybe you don't have a picture, it's just audio, a psychic gets the audio and they get the picture at the same time where other people are more limited. A psychic 
might get images from from a building and they might see things that have happened there before um traumatic things because traumatic things tend to be again like aggression stronger than than positive i mean you don't very often hear about psychics saying oh there was a you know a wonderful moment where these two people kissed and they fell in love you know it's it's always something dark and dreary like you know oh there was a murder here and and you know this girl was choked to death the reason why that is is because traumatic energy tends to broadcast stronger and more intensely and it burns a greater image into objects. So when the psychic would feel it, most people would feel, oh, I feel something really bad. The psychic might see the images and in some cases feel what feels like somebody touching their, their throat or squeezing their throat or making them breathe harder. Because the data is broadcasting the signal and not only is the mind seeing it, but the body is reacting to what this person reacted because it's a message it's a program and so your body the same way that you can hold the pillow and your blood goes up endorphins release and you feel anger or tension in your body for the psychic they're getting a greater visual and they're feeling their throat being choked maybe or, or a heaviness of breathing so they use this to interpret inside of them it's almost like they use their whole body to interpret the message of what's going on rather than just feeling the base emotions of something psychics get impressions from energy also, but they get another level to it or a higher level. The reason, again, just to cap it off, is that negative stuff tends to be what they pick up mainly. It's because it's the strongest broadcast in most cases. Not all cases, but most cases. And of course, the stronger the psychic, the more defined they can pick up on even littler things that may not be detectable by others. They have a better sniffer, per se, and can get better information. It depends on, on how much they practice, how refined they are. And of course, anybody who, again uses techniques that we give will eventually reach those levels if they work on them. Some people ask when I have done psychic work or worked on a, a missing person case or, you know, worked with someone to find information out why I choose to hold an object that belongs to the person. And this is the very reason because their frequency is embedded or imbued okay, into the objects they wear. It's the same way when you say you, you wear a friend's piece of clothing, you feel them. That's their, their vibration. Every single human being, in my opinion, has a very specific frequency. It's like a radio channel. No two human beings have the same. And when you can tune into their radio frequency as if there's this collective consciousness that has a, a file on them, and you begin to pick up information in regards to their life or to their presence or who they are or what they're about. I've been able to get this from old sneakers that have been wrapped up in, on a case that I worked out in Florida 15, 20 years. I held the sneaker and I couldn't get too much information from it. What I did is I put a little bit of salt on there and it was kind of like to agitate it. And I just kind of had this instinct that it might help me pick up better impression. It was like putting a little battery to resurface those that data that was in the shoe. Old information, as worn out as it may be, still can resurface from objects. Preferably, metal holds better information than clothing or natural fibers. So again, if you, if you decide in the future to start working on other areas of psychic development that we will cover, you can tie in this class to make sense of other classes that you work with. And this is why I'm, I'm bringing it up, because this is what connects most work psychically, which is basically called psychometry, is when you hold objects and you pull data from these objects by pulling that frequency, that information, so that you kind of have an understanding of that. If someone was projecting negative energy directly at you, rather than just into an object, how do you 
protect yourself? The answer is you simply think about your lower chakra. Your lower chakra is, again, like chi for martial arts. It's the closest one to your physical body and your energy. And what that does is it kind of holds your energy in so that they can't infiltrate your energy. If you want to counter that energy, simply think about your heart chakra. And the second you think about your heart chakra, if you know anything about meditation, it's almost like you make a smile on your face. Well, as soon as you do this, it's kind of like a white light that just burns into their brown or black energy coming at you. It's just like light piercing through the dark. It just pushes it away instead of letting it emanate and attach to you. So even if you have a lot of energy thrown on you that's really dark, negative, and hateful, if you just sit down and use your meditation, usually that'll blow it all out. But if you just want to do a quickie, just focus right on your heart chakra and just breathe in and then breathe it out and you feel your heart chakra energy expanding and it just kind of just washes it right off of you instantly. It's a very good way of, of doing that. Many times when I will go to a house that's haunted or something, I've said before, I put my hand on the wall and I project this energy to push them all out. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm focusing on my heart energy and I'm, I'm just kind of going into my Buddha state or my spiritual enlightened state. And I'm thinking about my meditation in that beautiful place and, you know, feeling the universe and opening up what I call the dimensional rift, the universe where God is most brilliantly at. You open the floodgates inside of you. So it's like a dimming switch to a light. From darkness comes light from within it out. So I just project this out. And then what I do is I push it into the walls and the walls fill with this light. And it's the same way that you would hold an object. Just as I have more energy to give probably faster than most people. So I program the house to have this immense programming of, okay, bad guys, you're out of here. This is going to be a really great energy place. So when somebody emits or sends to you negative energy, you just project that positive energy outward. In later classes, I will teach you to use very unique things that change your frequency just by touching and moving your hand a certain way, certain thoughts correlating with how you breathe. I will give you these techniques as you progress so that you can appreciate them and they will enhance almost 10 times faster whatever it is you're trying to do. And they're very ancient teaching from already thousands of years ago that I feel that have been lost and, and I would like to reintegrate them, but they're very powerful. I think that should cover energy, so we'll, we'll call it a wrap. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts.
follow us on Instagram at Higher Balanced Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.